welcome back to School of Cast Saints Playground session. We are blessed this week to have an Olympic quality guest for us. I am feeling very Olympic today. <laughs> yeah. It's not Jacko, even though <laughs> he would like to go to the Olympics, maybe. Uh, we've got Sam Oldham, um, Olympic gymnast, competed and won a bronze medal at 2012 Olympic Games. He'll tell you more about that in the story, but um, I absolutely loved this conversation. Yeah. I could, it could have gone on. It's, it's a long one, but it, I could have easily gone on for hours more. And um, There's some great stuff in there around how he uses visualisation and how we can start to use that as part of our training process process getting over fear um the things he's struggling with struggling with when you can see actually how amazing those guys are one of the really good things he talks about is how he has to learn a huge range of skills for routines and the different pieces of equipment how does he keep skills moving while still trying to learn new things and we all have got that going on in our calisthenics training so there's some absolute gems and, and i'll take a lot of confidence from this that even at our level of just playing around with some different stuff in the gym. There's a lot of very similar process that even the best in the world go through and we can learn about how they do that better and implement that into our own training week and our lifestyle. And we even find out where the term podcast comes from at yes. the beginning. I mean, that is worth... Fortunately, that's at the beginning. Yes, Otherwise, it, if it was yeah, the end, you, yeah. you might have had a long, long listen just for the anticlimax of that definition. But uh, yeah, so um, sit back, relax and enjoy. And I would encourage you to listen to the entirety because it is a great uh, session that we did enjoy to the podcast. So Sam Alden, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. Thanks for, uh, for coming to spend a bit of time with us and impart some knowledge on and our community. And in person, like a lot of these are done on Skype. Yeah. But um, that's nice. And so, so I think it's the first in-person one we've done. It, uh, yes. And you were saying this is your first... Oh no, Ross actually took that one. Oh uh, yeah. Second? Well, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. this is your first podcast. This is my it? first podcast, yeah. First sure, the first exciting day. day. Exciting day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a coffee, so sit back, enjoy it. It's going to go well. What, what, yeah, it's basically just a conversation and recorded. Yeah, but it's nice though, isn't it? Yeah. Where, where does the word podcast come from? What's the... Origins. Uh, original, I think, probably when the, the, the iPod. Uh, okay. Was and then what's the cast bit? Broadcast. Oh, right. Crikey. This Just is, realise that. This is, yeah. This is the... Keep this in. Don't edit that out. This is gold. <laughs> to the people, this is the stuff I have to deal with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just helping Dave through life on a daily basis. <laughs> Complex problems. Well, I wonder how many other people didn't know where podcast originated. I wonder how many people wondered where it came from and then managed to work it out for themselves. Well, I remember. <laughs> I think how many people just don't care and want to move on. So let's move on. Sam. I'm going to pretend I knew that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Later in the gym, I'm going to tell everyone. Oh, by the way, did you know this? <laughs> yeah, see, see do, do, a, do, a, do a bit of research for me. Find get, out, get ready for the tumbleweed after that. <laughs> Great fact. <laughs> uh, but Sam, tell us, tell the people, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows, but for the one person that doesn't know who you are and where you, what your background and what you've done, uh, yeah, give yourself a quick little introduction. Yeah, so like you said, my name's Sam Oldham. I'm an Olympic gymnast. I'm 25 years old. I competed at the London 2012 Olympic Games when I was 19. I was very, very lucky to win a bronze medal with the team, which was our oh, first. Why didn't you bring it? <laughs> it's in my safe home. Um, to win just in case anyone's going to go around yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, that? Um, <laughs> yeah. better uh, say it's in my sock drawer <laughs> just watch your page code <laughs> um, it's funny I actually sock. got a bank fraud deal with one <laughs> did you? Yeah. yeah it's meant to be like oh granny's at uh, Athens doing it yeah it was me so um, yeah I need to be more careful about giving my information out but yeah 25 years old wow. Olympic gymnast uh, it was the first medal in 100 years so it was a big big deal I remember um, watching that that the, 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 the gymnastics world went crazy. It was yeah, almost like... It was mad. But that was, the amazing thing about that was that was a huge turning point for gymnastics. Mm. Like, yeah. from what happened after that medal, all of a sudden, like, the programme has gone from success to success. Yeah, it's amazing. I think, I think that just kind of really brings back the importance of winning a team medal compared to an individual medal. At that point, we had won individual medals, but we never had any success as a team. Mm. But to be able to produce a high-level team that's got five guys that are all world-class... You know, beating countries like Russia, yeah, um, America, competing with Japan and China, like that's something that we dreamt about, and that was the end goal when we, when the GB team got set up in two thousand six, that was the end goal. It was London twenty twelve? That's why we got our funding back because um, I think at that point we were ranked twenty third in the world. Mm, yeah. um, so to then change the whole culture and philosophy of the whole squad and the whole sport in this country to rather than turning up to these major championships and just having a laugh and taking part. And going to the great parties afterwards, <laughs> going there to compete, to win medals, and to to perform. 
Because at that point, the women's team had started to have a bit of success, hadn't they? They'd had a, f- a couple of podiums, and it was the, men- it was the first men's medal, is that right? For yeah, days? so um, the girls' team had obviously had Beth Tweddle for a yeah, long yeah. time, for about 10 yeah. years, and she, you know, she was our first world champion. Um, and then she backed that up with another world gold medal, gold medal on the floor, I think it was, in 2009. So when we had had individual success, like at Europeans and world championships, we had Lewis Smith winning medals on the pommel horse. Yeah. But, like I said, as that team, we'd never had any success. Um, as, as a junior team in 2008, that's the first medal we've ever won as a team. We won a gold medal and beat Russia, and that team actually kind of started to make that transition from the junior team to the senior team really quickly, whereas in the past that had never happened. Like the senior guys were like probably 25, 26. You would definitely not get any guys that were 18, 19 million yeah, into that team. Yeah. So that was really like a transition period. I'm interested because a lot of people know that we spend a bit of time in performance sport and have done for the last sort of 10 years or whatever. But what was it? We, we often talk about cultural change in yeah, performance yeah. sport. What's changed since London? Because now we look at where the, the team's at, what the performance in Rio, expected performance in Tokyo, like what's the difference? It's that, um, the big, big thing is that expected, that expectancy from everyone and that mm. pressure that comes with that. So going into London, if we hadn't won a medal, everyone would have been like, oh, it's amazing they made the team final. Like we haven't made the team yeah. final in 30 <clears throat> years or whatever it was. And then we kind of won that medal, but no one was expecting us to do it. We believe we could do it and the coaching staff, but still it was still just a 50-50. It wasn't like yeah. we really could win a medal. It was kind of, if everything goes perfect, we could win a medal. Yeah. Um, but the actual, the outside public weren't expecting that. Now, once you got that medal, and then we went on and got two more individual medals on the pommel horse, okay, the next major championships we turned up to the Europeans, it was kind of like, well, we expect you to win medals now from the whole of the gymnastics community yeah. in this country because everyone was looking at us as Olympic medalists. Um, I think that expectation just breeds more success because you're just so well, I need to go and get a medal again. And then all the other guys on teams. So it's not just those five guys that were competing there in London. There was another 15 guys back at home. Mm. And they were thinking, well, I want a piece of that. Yeah. So then it just... And there's it's, the belief it's, that snowball well, effect. Like... Yeah, and it started for me when I... So I started gymnastics at Nottingham when I was seven years old at Rushcliffe. And I left when I was 14 to move to go and train down in Huntingdon. Uh, so I went to train with Lewis Smith and Dan Keatons as they prepared for the Beijing Olympic Games. Okay. So I was around them for two years. And me training with Lewis for two years and watching him go to Beijing, and he won a bronze medal on the pommel horse. Mm. That was our first like ever medal in gymnastics for like a hundred years, and then we went to win that team medal. Um, so I saw him do that, and I thought, well, I train with Lewis like day in day out. There's certain things in gymnastics I'm better than him at. Mm. Why can't I then go on and win an Olympic medal? And I think that's the big thing. Seeing someone that you can relate to and that you train with and is trains in the same gyms as you is from the same country he's got a similar background you then go well if he can do it I can do it it's that belief yeah. whereas when you've not got that and you're growing up around a senior team that are 23rd mm-hmm. in the world you, you kind of you can only compete against the people you can compete yeah. against and we know the power of like belief and believe it and yeah. like we will often from a mindset point of view tell people and yeah. try to get ourselves in the mindset of like you can achieve something before you've actually done it but it makes such a difference yeah. when you've actually then done it or someone like you say even even just someone around you has done yeah. it to give you that belief and then everyone as well as that expectation that belief that we've done it so the belief of guys going into Tokyo is going to be like yes the expectation that we're going to do well but then also the belief yeah. that we know we can but we're going for a real transition period at the moment there's been a lot of changes to our system so We've now got a new national coach. There's been a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Um, and like our ultimate goal as a team is to go to Tokyo and win an Olympic medal again as yeah. a team, which we didn't do in Rio, we came fourth. Um, so that whole focus has got to switch in the next six yeah. months. Um, because it's, it's definitely, we've lost a little bit of, uh, I'd say that team aspect a little bit. So you see in like Rio, we went there and we won a lot of medals, but they're all individual medals. Mm-hmm. And the team almost came, I'm not going to... S- I wasn't there in Rio, so I can't really yeah, yeah. You know, comment on that. But as a general feeling within the squad, we kind of lo- went away from the team aspect and focused more on the individual medals, which is what some countries do. So yeah. like countries yeah. like China, they really concentrate on just the individual apparatus and winning as many medals as yeah. they possibly can. But for me, the priority and the first kind of, the most important thing is always that team medal because if you do well as a team, you know individually you're going to do well and you're going to get the medals afterwards. Mm, yeah. um, it's an interesting one from like where, where British performance sport culture is at and that we see it in, in athletics and wheelchair racing and, and swimming is multi-gold medalists are 
favourite from a funding perspective. So it's like actually, like you could go yeah. take take something like basketball or or a team sport. You fund in fifteen guys plus staff for one medal yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Whereas you put a load of money behind an individual who's got an opportunity to win two, and if they're silver or well, particularly gold, yeah. up the medal table we go, yeah. and then we get those medal targets. Government's happy, public are happy. So there's a lot of stuff around. Yeah. That. But like you say, the purest side of you is going like that's what gymnastics is for you, like a really important part of it. Yeah. But it doesn't always fit no, into the structure of performance yeah, sport yeah. culture, which is a challenge. Yeah, it's sure. probably a little bit of I'm getting as you were talking there, getting a sense of like as a you obviously like the team aspect of something and like a, a team player, whatever you want to call it, but I never sort of really I think of I'd always thought of gymnastics as quite an individual thing yeah sure. and it's it is yeah. it's sort of yeah like it is but there's where you've got that um, you've got that team element to it like you say um, it's 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 a it must be quite a different feeling for like team sports that I've played like rugby you're directly having yeah, impact yeah. with them like you pass them the ball or if I miss a tackle like I would normally do someone would have to then <laughs> then do it whereas someone does their routine and then you've got to try and then yeah, back that yeah, up or yeah. but it's, you're not interacting together but there's that team and you've got and like you'll speak to any of the GB guys that have been on our team that have won a medal at major championships they'll always say like the team's the best feeling they've yeah, got yeah, because yeah. it's not just when you're out there competing as an individual so I'm out there in an all around competition yeah. or apparatus like it's just on me yeah. it's only on me but when you're there and you've got your two other teammates to go up and they've got to hit their routines because in yeah. a, a men's team final, it's just three, routine, three guys go up, three scores count. So every score oh, has yeah. to count. So you, you can't do anything. When they're there competing, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't do it's anything. It's like a penalty shootout. That's, in that's football, awful. Yeah, it's like watching a penalty shootout. It's horrible. <laughs> like when you're up there, you feel much better than when you're watching like yeah, your teammates go up there. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really weird. But I think that belief thing is a big one. And, and just going back where it kind of almost relates to calisthenics a little bit. So when I was a youngster when I was 13, 14, I was pretty strong for my age on the rings. Um, but the senior guys weren't doing much more than me. So by the time I was about 15, I was pretty much as strong as all of the senior guys. Right. Um, and that's, I, it was a bit of a problem for me because then I plateaued because yeah. I was already as strong as I needed to be to get onto the team. So I didn't need to get any stronger. And at that point I wasn't competing so much internationally in a senior aspect. So, yeah. And I was as strong as all the juniors that were my age. So, it was it's tough for me I look back now and I think wow because you didn't the, have like something further yeah, to aspire the juniors to. coming up now they're getting crazy strong like crazy strong yeah. from an early age because they see we've got like Courtney Tullock who's one of the best rings mm. workers in the world Niall who's an all rounder is now pushing Courtney to get right. strong and all the other guys are going okay so we need to get strong now <laughs> because to get on the team you're going to have to be strong so everyone wants to get strong so it's kind of it moves around in where we need to be yeah. kind of yeah. strong yeah. as a team and then there'll be a bit where everyone's flipping yeah. huge and strong and go we need to well, move better yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, no, 100% that'll happen but like right so right now it's tough for me because I've got that mindset of like, oh, I've never done this strength yeah. how am I going to build that strength to catch up with these guys who are yeah. a lot younger than me they've been doing it for a few years already it's really hard mm. to get in that mindset and I still, it's something that I do struggle with well, in my head. And belief. Yeah, belief. Like in saying, that yeah. head, belief. Can I do that strength? I'm not quite mm, sure. Yeah. I mean, my shoulders aren't great. Am I going to be able to do that strength? I know how much time it takes yeah. to kind of build that strength up and build that belief. Well, I think that? with the Redefine Your Impossible that, that we sort of caught in, I, mean, I had a, I think I wrote it in a, in a blog or, or some sort of post going that at, we talk about like it feeling impossible and it's and, and that that's like the starting point but Actually, we there's a little part of the brain that doesn't actually think it's impossible because if you genuinely thought it was impossible, you couldn't do it. You actually wouldn't then attempt it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and I think from a belief point of view, it's honing in on that little glimmer that you have actually got yeah. and being brave enough to say to ourselves like, okay, it might be your first pull up that you haven't done before yeah. for a beginner or whatever crazy thing you're trying to do. But yeah, no, that belief that sure. actually, yeah, we can. And then the difference being, as you said, like when you when the guys won that medal. Once you've done one of those things, like the belief just starts to grow and Definitely. you get that snowball effect. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask if it's an interesting one to, to come on to because it's, um, you're saying that people are coming up from now developing strength from a younger age. And that's one of the things that we see from people that have been doing calisthenics and they've often from a gymnastics background and they learnt these skills and they've built some of the strength when they were young, great time to learn. Like, what's it like for you now as a, as a 
25? Yeah. 25 year old yeah. trying to learn stuff where you're actually now looking at kids who are 15, 16, 17, you get <laughs> flipping out. Like, it's hard, right, to try and actually, yeah, at the same time as trying to build new strength to go and do more advanced things, you've actually got to keep a load of other stuff. Like, we were talking before we started recording, like, just talk about the number of skills that you've got to have on the ball at one sure. go and so how if, you maintain all that. Yeah, so for me, I'm an all around gymnast. Like, every single gymnast that starts, uh, men or women, they start off as an all-rounder, so with the goal to compete on all of the apparatus. So for the men, that's six. So that's floor, pommel horse, rings, vault, parallel bars, and high bar. Now, you've got ten skills in each of those routines, except for vault, where it's just one vault. And are they compulsory skills you have to perform? Yeah, so you have to perform ten then, skills in your routine. Okay, so there's no room then for for individual additional to that. It's yeah, like he's, he's going to do a flag, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bars, we've been you talking can, about. Yeah, you can do extra skills, but they won't count towards your score. Okay. Um, so like if you needed to do a connecting skill to get into another school, you could do that. So the, the, the artistic side of that is how you choose to link those skills yeah, together. Yeah, so it's your, the, how, you, how you kind of structure and put together those routines mm. is really important um, for lots of different reasons in terms of the execution because you're going to be marked by the judges so you need to pick skills that aren't going to be heavily deducted um, just for an energy conservation purpose yeah. like if your routines are crazy long and you've got all these connecting skills um, you know like a circle on the pommel horse it isn't a skill it's just a way you get into a skill <laughs> yeah. so if you tried it yeah, yeah, I'm like, so oh, if you're it. adding in like three or four circles at the end of every single one of your skills you know by the end of the pommel routine you could be doing That's 60 nice. 70 circles and you're just destroying yourself um, so it's yeah it's 51 skills so right now I got injured at the British Championships and once I've I've been injured so many times, done so many rehabs. When I start, I kind of write down, okay, so 51 skills is where I need to get to. I'm here at zero. I write them all mm. down and then I cross each skill off as I get them back. So like right now I'm sitting at 43, I think. I just need the floor tumbles back. They're yeah. the last, last kind of skills for me to get back. But like that's took me three months to get back and I've been training for 18 years. Yeah. And I've still not got all of the 51 skills. So it is, like you said before, it's like spinning plates. Mm. Um, but now for me at my age to try and learn a new skill or build that strength, it's hard. It's, While she's trying to keep everything else going. It's very difficult. And I know you guys do a lot of work on the redefine your impossible. Like for me, watching some of the strength guys, particularly the best guys in the world, and some of them are like really good friends of mine, I really can't comprehend what it would feel like to do some of these skills as easy as they do them. Yeah. So for instance, the Maltese, which looks like you're kind of lying flat on a table yeah. with your arms by your side. Mm. I've competed that skill. Um, and when I competed that skill, it was when I was coming back from my original ankle injury at the Commonwealth Games now I spent like eight months I was literally walking around making a Maltese shape that people thought I was a weirdo but I became so obsessed with that skill right. that was my thing to get me through the rehab it was like right if anything good can come out of this I'm going to get super strong on rings so I did and I got that but that took it so took me months. a lot of work mm. like how I was often, doing way extra sessions? work I was doing loads of extra weight sessions yeah. extra ring sessions just all the time because I was off my ankle so I had the time to do it yeah. the difference is now for me to get that skill back I know how much time it take me yeah. on top of the training I need to do anyway it's very difficult whereas if I was doing that from 14, 15, 16 and that skill was ingrained yeah. within my mind and that muscle memory was there it'd be a lot easier so yeah. I've been doing that with the straight top planche on the rings yeah. So I've been putting the work in on that for probably about, I'd say maybe 12 months now I've started. Um, and I'm finally getting close on the ring. So like I can hold it on parallel bars now. Um, so I've got about four or five seconds on parallel bars. Yeah. Straddle planche, I can get close to maybe 30 seconds. Mm. Um, so I've built that up. Whereas yeah. like 12 months ago, I would be doing maybe 11, 12 seconds on a straddle planche. So like that's took a long time to yeah, build that yeah. up. and. That's um, quite interesting. Like you've got thirty seconds straddle planche, and that converts to a five second straight planche. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's the, yeah. the difference in difficulty yeah, between yeah, those two skills. And then on the rings, I'm still sitting at by myself. I'm still really sitting at zero. Yeah. Like I haven't. I'm starting to pause in the position, but it's still kind of zero. Yeah. And so it's just finding having that motivation to kind of. So like I write my strength folds every week on a Thursday. I do my strength holds. I write the times down. I'm writing zero on straight top on <laughs> week after straight week. top planche <laughs> week after week. It's kind of like, but I, that's how I started three months ago with. Straight top planche or parallax, it was zero, zero, mm. zero, one. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, the next week it was two. Uh, and then you get that pause, you're like, okay, I'm getting somewhere. Let's go. I need to think of the guy's name. I've never learned his name. There's a, there's a guy, I think he's like Spanish or something, who, um, just hearing you talk about that and thinking of like, crikey, like what we've 
try to do and, and how what you maybe want to try and do and how long that yeah. sort of takes. But you're talking about that being like a professional athlete and you, you've got that whole support network around you. And then you go on YouTube and you see a guy doing like um, planche push-ups, full planche, yeah. not straddle, yeah. on just one fingertip on each. For reps. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah, can yeah. do more reps of that than I can do normal push-ups with my hands and feet on the floor. Yeah. And you go like... What? It's unbelievable. What you have? To, it's tough. When I see those guys, I think, oh my god! Yeah. Like he's got a like. He's Do you ever worry that someone like that's just going to rock up at the Olympics yeah, one time and just clean up? Yeah, hundred percent. Like them guys from like Kazakhstan or something like that. Yeah. Like, just got incredible like light body frames. But um, what you've got to remember is like as a gymnast because it's hard. When we, it's hard for us when we see that. Like we go, what the. How are they do? Because we understand how. Do tough the guys it is. talk? But yeah, do yeah, we do between you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I love to hear Instagram and stuff, and yeah. we we like follow everyone. We follow different sports from like CrossFit, yeah, yeah, calisthenics, all that kind of stuff, and these random guys from like Russia and Siberia doing this crazy like yeah. planche and stuff. I'm like, how on earth is this guy doing this? But then what we got to remember is, they can spend all their time just doing that. Yeah, we've got to split our time between six apparatus, yeah, and yeah, fifty-one yeah. skills. I don't know. The breakdown of that skill, like so, the most basic element on the pommel horse to circle it takes you two years to learn to circle yeah from a young age like two years then to circle on the big proper pommel take another two years so like we've got to split our time between so much stuff and there's so many skills we've got to learn like if i could just spend my time doing one apparatus i'm convinced if i just spent my time just doing the high bar i'd definitely be one of the best high bar workers in the world no problem Mm because i'm very gifted and talented on that apparatus. I'm really good anyway, but I've got to split my day between six apparatus. If do, I could do you just have, like, can, can you just, can, can somebody? That. Yeah, do, I could just and do And they could be, and they'd be, yeah, so you've got countries, you still get on the team and that sort of thing. I, so now the rules have changed. So the next Olympic Games in Tokyo, it's just four guys in the team. So they're yeah. all going to have to do all of, all of the apparatus. Right, okay. And then you can qualify two individuals. Right. So essentially, if we've got guys like, say, Max, he might decide, I want to qualify as an individual. And he's yeah. not going to be part of the team then. Okay. So we're at a really, yeah. we're at a turning point because he has to make that decision now. Because if you go and compete as part of a team at the World Championships this year, yeah. you can't then go individual. Right. So you have You've to decide now. Two years out. But so some it. countries might rock up with like just a monster on rings and yeah. just doesn't. That hundred percent do happens. So the Olympic champion on rings, uh, Petronas, he just does rings yeah. and he competes for Greece. Um, yeah. So all he does is just train on rings yeah. and eats chicken and coffee and smokes. That's, that's his diet that's what he told me I was like Petronas how are you so light he's like oh, it's easy man I just eat chicken have a coffee in the morning smoke cigarettes I don't need to eat anything <laughs> right okay yeah. alright then <laughs> and right. this was in 2013 I was like nah that doesn't make sense and then he's Olympic champion now I'm like alright oh, yeah, what are some people going to take away from this podcast <laughs> chicken smoking cigarettes <laughs> think about healthy it's lifestyle long term yeah there's a lot of like gymnasts yeah. smoke in, in, just one funny story in the past that my coach told me like what would happen is in like the 70s 80s the Japanese gymnasts would come over to Russia and compete and they'd all smoke cigarettes and all the Russians would be like whoa these guys are the best and why are they smoke so all the Russians would start smoking and they didn't actually <laughs> smoke they just did it so all the other countries would go wow they must be like doing oh what, they just different. did it just yeah, at that time they never... probably like 20-30 years ago like smoking wasn't as frowned upon as it is yeah, now yeah, yeah. And it's the same way in that we'll drink beetroot juice or ginger juice. So you're probably yeah. going, oh, maybe that's, yeah. you're not going to put on weight. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I remember the, Fran- really the France 98 <laughs> football team that won the World Cup. Yeah. Zidane, yeah. Northern Leboeuf, and all those guys. Yeah. There's, I've seen videos, I remember like them, I think it was a documentary or something for them, like literally the morning of the game, they're just on the balcony of the <laughs> hotel, just coughing a cigarette. Just coughing a cigarette, why not? <laughs> There's a couple of things, something just before we move on, I yeah, wanted sure. to pick up on um, one great message that I just wanted to pull out was if you get injured, what else can you do? Mm. That opportunity. And we get a lot of people go, okay, right, shoulders hurting, I've done X, Y, and Z, and we've done that a lot in sport. And I go, okay, well, that's an inconvenience for you, but whilst you're getting that rehabilitated, you're, getting, you're letting it recover, what else are you going to do? It doesn't have to be a make or break situation. You can go, right, okay, well, I can't do any upper body work, so I'm just going to improve lower body flexibility. I'm going to get my legs stronger. There's always something you can do to help mm. me move forwards. And then the other thing was like, just any tips that you've got on when you've got 51 skills to try and maintain or learn and you're progressing some and you're keeping some else, yeah. what are the tactics? Like how often do you touch base with those skills that you can do, but you can't just leave alone entirely? So yeah. say someone's got a handstand and a muscle up in the locker, they're trying to learn the human flag yeah. and they're training a couple of times a week. Like what have they got to do to try and keep those two things ticking over whilst progressing in another area? 
Sure. So I think from that one, just juggling the skills, um, you've really got to just prioritise your time. So if you are trying to learn a new skill, you know you've got to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, you don't want to lose those skills. So in gymnastics, if I'm... So there's a skill I'm trying to learn right now, which is a casino on high bar. So it's a double straight, some sort of full twist to catch the ball. Sounds good, doesn't it? Casino on high bar. Yeah, yeah. So I've been to casino once. Did you have a good time? Great time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit like that. It's potluck. It? <laughs> yeah, pretty much potluck if you're going to catch it. Um, yeah. So I'm learning that skill, but I can't obviously disregard the other skills in my routine. So it's just prioritizing the days. So um, the days where you, I'd say the days where you feel best and you're going to get your best session, maybe concentrate on that new skill. And then there's other days mm. where you've got a lighter session or you can kind of, you need a little bit of a rest day. Go back to your older skills that you're more comfortable with. Your muscles know how to do, and you can just touch base with them. But it really is like prioritizing your time um, and making sure you keep on top of everything. How regularly would you touch base? With, so like, like it's hard for me because it depends how much you're training. Yeah. But like um, once a week or once a month. Yeah. Like... So like I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't like going like more than. I wouldn't like to go more than two weeks without doing without skills. Doing really, really yeah. yeah. So I'm even um, in terms of just doing like basic dismounts without twisting. Yeah, what you were talking to me you, about, right? yeah. yeah. So um, in gymnastics, this we have, crazy. This we have is a wicked. funny thing that we call uh, we call the T virus, and we all laugh about it, but it's actually a nightmare of a problem. So it's basically when you do skill after skill after skill. So in my routine on high bar, my dismounts a double twist and double straight, and I've been doing that dismount now since I was fourteen. So I can pretty much do that with my eyes shut. It's just automatic. My body knows what it's doing. Sometimes I don't even think it just does it. Mm. Um, and when you <laughs> twist and twist and twist and twist, sometimes. You go back to doing it without a twist, and you twist, <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, that shouldn't have happened, I need to try that, and you twist again, and you get into a habit, because it's just muscle memory, you can't undo yeah, it. you can't undo it, so it's really, really important for me, that once a week, on a Monday, I just do dismounts without twisting, and yeah. I do elements without twisting. So there's a guy, so yeah, so my team, like, yeah, literally my, couldn't yeah, my not do captain, it. Yeah, my team, uh, the team captain, that was my team captain for like three, four years, Christian Thomas, like incredible gymnast, one of the greatest gymnast Britons ever produced. He couldn't do a straight front on the floor without twisting. <laughs> he couldn't do it, and it was like a running joke, and everyone laughed at him because he was like the old guy on the team, and it yeah. was really funny. But like, he used to get so frustrated that he couldn't do a straight front. And uh, after a while, you don't laugh because you're like, okay, he's really yeah, struggling this now. He's getting a bit like, off. We used to have that thing. It would be like I used to. Well, we both of us played on the wing, but occasionally you get try line fever where you could see a run in, and you'd already in the mind you scored the try before you even caught the ball. And the first time you do it, it's quite funny, but like a couple of games later, <laughs> you can't get the ball over yeah, the line. You that, just walk yeah. it in. It's that same it's thing. So um, yeah, so even there now, I go back on a Monday and I do those skills without a twist. Like I don't need to do that. I'm not going to compete that skill without a twist. Mm. But I know fundamentally, I need to be able to do that skill without twisting. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. When I'm in a situation where it's high pressured, um, yeah, I'm tired. Brain just something's just gonna go. Yeah. Um, so so for you, it's not more than two weeks. As a, yeah. As a so rough for me, it's like. not more than two weeks in gymnastics. I'd say it can be different, probably for calisthenics a little bit, uh, but just because I've got to build those routines, yeah. like like I can't afford to lose yeah. that time. I think it depends. Whereas you can build that strength back quite quickly. <clears> I think. Yeah. Just specifically, if you're just working on those two or three skills. Yeah. Uh, but what I'd suggest is yeah, making sure that you're still touching base like every week with those skills just yeah. at some point because like you said before you don't have to do the full skill you can do yeah, preps do which is what yeah. we do a lot so yeah. uh, a lot of the time I won't do the full skill I'll do the preps for that skill yeah. so that might look like me landing on a mat or that might be just doing a little timer without actually letting go of a bar and catching yeah. it but I'm still working the same muscles and working that yeah. kind of uh, that signal from my brain to my muscles of the timing that I need to do yeah. those skills so like for, like for us it might be or for someone where you you give the human flag example, it might be, and I do this quite a bit sometimes, that actually just getting in and holding a, a, a foot, both legs tucked or yep. one leg out, so just a, a strength regression that actually is, actually feels quite comfortable 100%. for 10 seconds, but yeah. like you don't have to worry about the full thing, just touches base. I think probably a lot of the stuff that when you're talking about skill, you're like genuinely talking about it like a skill in terms of your spinning, your rotating, yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas when a lot of the whether it would be whether we'd call it a skill or not a lot of the stuff that um we end up doing there's a there's a more of a strength yeah when there's sure. more of a strength element to it you can look i don't know when well, i'd say as well it's really important that like if it is a strength-based skill because mm. i do this as well is that 
it's important to switch it up because if you can get you can get stuck in just doing let's say I just do handstand okay just a normal handstand no weights nothing else just a handstand every day like after a while your body responds well to change mm. so I need to mix that up whether Keep that's body okay guessing. let's go and do 10 minutes against the wall with a weight jacket on mm. okay and then the next week let's do it on one bar with ankle weights on yeah. like you've got to mix it up otherwise yeah. you're just going to plateau and just yeah. get stuck I actually find when I sometimes when I'd like not give up on something but just like sack something off for a bit oh, come back three or four weeks later and go and then try something and go oh that feels good so you used to have with my golf swing 100% not play golf for two years then come back you've first, first, first round back <laughs> yeah, yeah. feels great and then after that you then you go no, no, that's, a real, again, but... that's a real thing in gymnastics as well so you often find someone will be learning a skill and they'll be really struggling with it they might spend like six weeks two months on this skill yeah. and then they just go oh, I'm going to sack that off like I need to like try something else this is yeah. not working I'm kind of in a rut yeah, I'll come back leave later. it for three weeks yeah. they come back one month later and they're like wow this feels really good I'm doing something completely different yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that actually sometimes it works being able to go through that just having a little bit of a rest yeah, it'd be interesting to know what's the sort of what's the science behind well, that I, it was funny because I was, I was watching a podcast strength. the other day of a guy talking about sleep and that you know how you everyone says, oh, I'll sleep on a problem. Well, that actually comes from the fact that like, when you sleep on something, you're actually going through that process in your head. Yeah. So it might be that you have three weeks off, and when you're in your sleep, you're actually going through that skill, and you're training that skill while you're asleep. Yeah. And well, so when you come yeah. back to it, it's... We've heard before in, um, in, in the sports performance side, again, to go back to that injury side, of going, actually, there is some, some benefit. And there's some strange things and some research to back it up. Of going, if you're injured and you can't do something, the mental visualisation of just continuing to do that skill, keep some of that neural activation going. Yeah. And it's the same stuff of like... We've, yeah, the brain still lights up yeah, when yeah. you're... <clears throat> and when that's why I think visualisation of complex skills is so important in that actually start to just think about doing it more. And there's athletes, study, case after case study of people who say that that is a massive thing. And especially yeah. for you guys, yeah. like... You'll see even like bobsleigh, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll drive the yeah. course in their mind. Cool running. Everyone's saying cool running. In the bathtub. Yeah. In the bathtub, yeah. 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 How much visualisation do you guys do? I do a lot. Um, I've done a lot since... Does everybody? Mm, yeah. So some people... It's a really weird one. Like, some people almost see it as... The guys... I'd say the guys that maybe don't love the sport as much. So they're... They maybe didn't choose a sport out of, I love it. They choose it out because they were just in it. Their parents put them in it. Yeah. They're kind of... They're good at it. They're so good, yeah. do it you tend to find those guys don't like to do the extra things. It's mm. almost like a bird. It's like, but I've got to be in the gym for six hours. I don't want to be spending my time outside mm. of the gym thinking about the gym. But like I find for me from a young age, I've always done a lot of it. And it's funny what you say, because I like understanding the psychology of like how athletes' minds work. And I always look on TV when people are kind of doing interviews and before like boxing fights mm. and stuff. Yeah. I like to really like pick it apart. But um, so the skill of casino. So I was doing some work with my psychologist in the past about on around casino, and we were just finding that I was basically avoiding visualizing it because it was making me nervous, and I didn't really. It was tough. And I didn't really like it. I was potentially a little bit scared of it. Yeah. So what I would do is every time I sit down to go and visualize it, I would just leave it. I put it on the side. Right. I don't want to do, deal with that now. It's too much stress. When I'm in the gym, I'm like putting so much stress on the skill anyway. I don't want to add to it when I'm outside yeah, of the gym. Yeah. But without realizing, it took me a while to realize that I was actually doing that. So I was just yeah. naturally just, oh no, I'll put it off. I'll do some reading or I'll go and do some emails instead of like actually sitting down and visualizing yeah. that skill. Um, so that's something I picked on, picked up on straight away. And it, it's a big, big thing. Like if I'm learning a new skill and it's scary and I don't like it, yeah. I'll avoid visualizing it because I don't want to. Because when I sit down and think about it, I those emotions and how I feel it makes me feel nervous and tense just thinking about yeah. doing that but that's, so, a, proper real, that's yeah, a proper realization you've got to yeah, you've make got to the brain that. think and it's so, um, there's a skill now there's one skill in gymnastics I actually got asked the other day because um, I kind of put a shout out and said oh I want some questions I was doing a Q&A with my brother yeah. and some guy said oh, is there a skill in gymnastics that really scares you and there's one on the high bar that I think I'm going to have to do if I want to win an Olympic medal in Tokyo and it really does scare me like it's the most technical skill like in gymnastics for me yeah. that I've ever done and it scares the life out of me and I 100% avoid visualising it um, and so I'm sitting down with my psychologist like now because I want to learn it in say six months time Yeah. start seriously doing it mm. so we're starting from now and we're just going to visualise it and do a lot of work towards that so that hopefully when I do start in six months yeah. time I pick it up a lot quicker than I would maybe a skill that I just sit down and learn and go okay Sergey, I want to start this skill today if I've already been doing six months of visualisation how yeah. quickly do I then pick that up as opposed to it might take me two months, it might only take me three weeks to pick that skill up. It's a great experiment. I'd love yeah, to yeah. find out how that goes. Because yeah. I think it's something that I, we talk about a lot in sport, but 
in my own training, I don't do enough of, but partly because I don't make space for it. I think it's yeah. like so busy with a load of other stuff mm. going on. Actually, it has to be purposeful. Uh, you yeah. really do have to set that time aside. Yeah. Right. Well, we've done mindset work with the, the power mm. athletes that we work with and like, I would always give uh, visualisation as a, as a thing for people to do. Used it constantly during when I was playing rugby, but I don't do it now for the things I want to learn and I need to challenge yeah. myself on that. And actually I wanted to just, a take home for people, like, what's your oh, two, best tip for visualisation from, from you? And then do you do it in first person or third person? Oh, brilliant question then. Thank so, you. Um, so for me... I can answer it if you want. I, I do, I do visualisation. I do it when I'm outside the gym. I do it when I'm in the gym. So I'll do it before my routine. You'll see me. If you see me on TV, if I'm competing at the European Championships, you can watch. And it's normally two guys before me. So you can work out when you're going to go in gymnastics. I know, okay, right, it's time to do my routine in my head. Yeah. I do my routine as if I'm looking at the bar. Right. So first person. Yeah. So I do that... Um, just before my routine and when I'm in training I'll normally same thing before my routine I'm doing skills I visualise but then I do it I normally do it in the morning when I wake up that day so I'd find I used to do it at night time before bed but then it just take me hours to get to sleep because my mind would be racing yeah. so now I just switch off at night time but in the morning like I wake I wake up sorry start my day I'll go through my routines or a certain skill I'm trying to learn and then I kind of have a little routine of what I, would, I say to myself in the morning before I start my day and that. Um, but my best tips for visualisation, I think, are just be, you've really got to be in the zone. There's no point if your like, head's flicking around and you're not feeling that. There's no point. But yeah. definitely make it purposeful. So yeah. set a time or decide when you want to fit that five minutes or ten minutes in. Because it's not a lot of time. Everyone's well, that's the beauty of it. You can do... Minutes. But really do plan it. So don't think, oh, I'm just going to do it here or there. Or if I've yeah. got a bit of time, I'll do it. Actually plan it in like it's a session. Think of it as a session. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to do my visualisation session today. I think that's like a really, really important one. Uh, I know in gymnastics, like so the greatest gymnast of all time, Koei Ochimura, he's still competing now, a Japanese gymnast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, his visualisation is unbelievable. If you watch him, even when they do like Japanese news reports, you'll just see him doing this with his hands, just moving his hands. All he's doing, and he'll have his eyes closed and he'll just be doing this. He's just mimicking he's the movements. And he hardly ever has, he doesn't have many goes, he saves his body, but he might visualise it 10 times then go up and then just do yeah. a perfect go. But he says that like he can literally see a skill in his head. Yeah. When he turned 18, he just reached this point where he could see a skill in his head and he could just go and do it. Yeah, um, so yeah, it, it really is super powerful, especially in gymnastics when you're learning a thing that you've never done before, and like there is that aspect of you just got to go for it, because <laughs> you can prep anything and try all these things, but then you've just got to try yeah. and trust that your body's going to do it. Yeah. So if you can actually see yourself doing it, that has a huge impact on your confidence. Yeah, I'd encourage anyone that hasn't done but used visualization and trying to learn something to have it. And if they're skeptical, yeah. try it. Or if you're super skeptical, like. Google it, have a little look, yeah. and there's, there's, yeah. there's rationale and there's science. It's a skill and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can see myself scoring a screamer in the World Cup from 30 yards. <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to happen, but, you know. <laughs> one thing just to touch on with that, I don't know if there's a, if there's a link between the two of visualisation and then fear. So if we, there's yeah. some of the stuff you talk about, it's really interesting, when we, when we did the podcast with Yuri Marmastini, he was like, similar sort of um, thought process in how you see more complicated skills, it doesn't actually change whether you're, gymnast of what the best part 20 years you've been yeah. doing the sport but that down to somebody who's starting calisthenics or even gymnastics for the first time yeah. the process is actually the same you're just leveling up each yeah, time yeah, it yeah. becomes an upgrade of the same thing so we, we sometimes get questions from people saying oh, i'm scared of falling over in a handstand i'm yeah. scared to be upside down um and we of a backflip yeah, I was going to say, we touched on it a bit around our conversations yeah. around the backflip. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you overcome fear at basic level rather than, like... Because yeah, sure. I look at what you do and I go, flip it, like... But, but, yeah, you're right, and the fundamentals never change, so the fear's always there. But how you deal with it and understanding how you, how you get over that is something that you learn, get through for experience. It, so everyone's it, a little bit different. So the thing when I was really young, I was doing my first somersault off a high bar. I was petrified of that, like... Literally, I went to a training camp and there was a German coach there and he taught, he was telling me to do a, like a pike somersault off the bar and I just went and smashed my shin straight on the bar. Like that freaked me out. Mm. And like, I would go and hide in the toilet at the gym like every time we were on high bar. And, high bar <laughs> my, and it's funny, right? Because high bar is my best event. Yeah. But I would go and hide in because I was petrified of it. But there comes that point where like it, a lot of it in gymnastics comes from your coach as well because like he's got to build that confidence. Mm. It's different from calisthenics when if... If you're starting at an older age and you're like 16, 17, 18 or 20, or 30 35. years old, <laughs> yeah. you don't rely as much on the coaches when you're like 8 or 9 years old to say, 
like I believe in you, you mm. can do this, and yeah. you kind of trust. Well, there'll be they, a lot of people just training on the road yeah, at exactly. home. With, you trust like, that they know what they're talking about. When you by yourself, it's kind of. I think that um, the visualization will play a big, big part in that. But it's also just that confidence, trust in that the training you've done and your technique and your preparation, you're gonna be safe. It's knowing knowing how to do things safely, sort of falling from a handstand safely. Like knowing that stuff yeah. is gonna make a big, big difference. Yeah. But yeah, but it comes to a point you, where you it comes to a point where you go. have to take that leap. Yeah. You've got to take that leap. And then often I think what happens is you have a go and you fail and you go, do you know what? Just it's like, sure, right, yeah. It's, it's yeah. really funny. Like the best <laughs> way I learn, and I've learned this like over the years, is that I learn through like trial and error very, very well. So when I'm learning a gymnastic skill, there's sometimes there are some points where I've got to full on go for it. Mm. You've just got to go for it and you've just got to like see what happens. Yeah. But there's a lot of times where I'll test the waters, so I'll try it a bit like this, and I'll try it a bit like this before I can really go, and then I'll know when I've hit that, okay, I know what I need to do now, and I'll do it, rather than just go for it and maybe hurt myself. Mm. Like, I kind of like to test the waters and just break it down. It might take me a few longer sessions, but I know I'll get there in the end. Yeah. Um, whereas some people just go, okay, can you try this, say the casino on the high bar, and they'll go, right, I'll just give it a go. Whereas I might try it a bit like, a bit tucked, mm. and pike a little bit, and then do it straight in a bit, just just to try yeah. and like get a feel for the skill. Um, and I think I'll probably do that because it takes away the fear element a little yeah. bit. That's a kind of that's, like, but you're just talking about a progressive, progressive approach. Yeah, learn, progressive approach rather than just full on going with it. But then again, there are all those skills where you've just got to go, right, I've got to grab my legs, I've got to pull yeah. and just well, hold on. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I've been wanting yeah. to learn a backflip yeah. and you're helping yeah. us with that now. And yeah. like, there's going to be that time, there's yeah. going to be that you've one time. That leap. Where like but then you're on you, the floor, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. But there's also I think there's, there's two steps. There's gonna be that time when they're on the floor, and um, and the and the spotters come away and you've just done it. Yeah. But then there's the other time where it's like, right, Tim, check me out, and we're just like yeah, on yeah. tarmac in town, and like I'm gonna go for it. Like yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that. Yeah, but that and that's where you've got to trust. Like I said, the process and the technique and the 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 process of doing that skill. So you've got to trust. If I do this, this, and this. I'm going to get that outcome. Mm. And if you've got to have 100% confidence in that, like you said, so when you're going to, that first time when you do it on the floor, when I'm there with you, and I'm reminding you again, like, Tim, keep your head in, lift your hips, tuck your legs over, that's fine. But then again, the next time when you're by yourself and you're going to do it on concrete, you need to trust that, okay, if I keep my head in, I lift my hips, pull my legs yeah. over, I'm going to be absolutely fine. I need to visualise it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you tell me it's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> We talk quite a lot about play and making training fun for people. How do you find that within gymnastics? Because there's obviously such a, a, a criteria and a set of rules and there's people that are going to um, judge you based on your execution of skills. So I wonder, does it, does it at all become to a point where it's not fun anymore yeah. because it's so yeah. like it's a hard. Or? It is a real hard one. I think I struggled with that for a long, long time because I used to train, uh, I spent probably three or four years pretty much training one-on-one -on -one with my coach. And the fun aspect of it was taken away. Mm. And I kind of probably got to a point where, not I had fallen out of love with the sport, I'd always loved the sport and I was obsessed with it, but I kind of resented it a little bit. Mm. It was like, you know, it was, I wasn't waking up each day and going, right, I can't wait to get into the gym. It was like, oh, I've got to go to the gym. I, I knew I had to do it and I was still pushing myself to do it. And I never ever would, was stopping, but the fun aspect was taken out of it and that was no people were picking up on that like all the time people would say to me come on Sam give us a smile like you need to stop being so serious and mm. I'd take that offence to that I'd be yeah. like this is what I do like I'm a gymnast like mm. this is my job do you know what I mean whereas like now that's changed I understand the importance of enjoying it and having fun and I think in gymnastics that's all to do with challenges and most you find most gymnasts are competitive and if like there's a game involved yeah. they switch it like their eyes Freak up and they're like, okay, right then. So is there a certain part of your training week or a session where it's like, I've done what I need to do. Yeah. I'm now just going to go and mess about. And it's yeah. building some. And a lot of that's new skills. So yeah. a, a perfect example of that is so the routines. So routines I'm doing at the moment. I know I've got to do routines. There's no jumping around it. I can't mess about. I can't leave, wait the whole week and then do them on Saturday. Yeah. I know I've got routines on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday and Friday. So them are really serious sessions. But then the sessions where I've got to do new skills, which is what I love to do, and it's like it's fun learning new things. I kind of use that as a target to get to. So yeah. like, I get through these routines, and I'm going to get to the fun stuff, which is doing the I new like skills. Um, and we do it, and we do a lot of games. Like it's it's interesting because the younger guys in our gym are a lot younger than me, so they're like 17, 18, and they're going to they're trying to go to their first junior Europeans, mm -hmm. which is coming up like in two months. It's the first big competition they'll ever do. Like it's a huge thing for a junior gymnast and that 
the trains get very intense, so it's very the pressure. The pressure that like rise is big because mm-hmm. it's like right. I've been training all these years for this now. <laughs> like if I don't make a team, what's gonna happen? You're thinking what if? What if I get injured? So you can see it. And then we come in every day. Me and my ch- training partner Andy. Andy's like a little bit older than me. Uh, he's 27, and they like they just lot. You can tell they're under pressure. Yeah. So we're just trying to make it light hard, just joke around with them, and then we do little games. So like when you get closer to competition, like the landings in gymnastics is really really important. So we'll do like landing games. We're like, oh boys! So we've got one on trampoline. So it's called the um, it's called Mount Olympus, and there's like bricks <laughs> on the back wall. And if you do this landing game and you get a perfect game without taking a step, mm. you get a brick on the wall. You get your name on it, okay, you sign nice. it, and date it. And then at the end of the year, the person with the least amount of bricks has to go and buy everyone else a Five Guys. So like that's, <laughs> but we have games like that going on all the time, you know. Um, it's just trying to keep it fun, keep it entertaining, keep it engaging. But also knowing, okay, if I, that's why the team aspect is so important. It's so important because if you know someone else is going through the same thing as you, yeah, yeah. you've got that mutual respect, and it makes it a little bit easier. Mm. So if There's I some to, comfort in that, yeah, isn't there? That you know you're not yeah. on your own. If I've got to do like a really really tough session of routines but I've got Andy doing routines with me it's a bit like oh, at least it's at least Andy's with me I'm not my own do you yeah. know what I mean like it's because we've been through that before like Jack and I have been sort of entrenched in trying to train for something difficult and we just get to the stage where like just training is not that much fun like I don't feel yeah. like I'm making progress the exercises and progressions that I'm trying to use are pretty boring they're hard like it's actually it's, the end goal is is, yeah. is enticing, but the process to get there is pretty oh, dry. Tough. You've got to find that. You've got to find that. You've got to find that thing that gets you that gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Whether that's for me, it's like the thought of oh, if I learn this casino, if I can get this casino in my routine, I got a real good chance of mm. like. The end goal is oh, I could get an Olympic medal or a world medal out of that if I can get this in my routine. So then you go through all the boring stuff to get to the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah. You, you can see like a way out. You see a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Because like a lot of the time it is going to be boring. Like the training, coming back from an injury, like I've done four rehabs in the last two years. And like every time it's like, right, I don't know if I can do this one. I've got to start yeah, from scratch yeah. again. And I know how much work it takes. And all the boring, rubbish exercises that no one wants to do and the work I've got to put in that no one's going to see. No one sees, none of the gymnast guys, none of the guys in my gym, they don't see me go to the other gym. Yeah. They don't see all that other work that I do. They don't see that. Like My coach doesn't even really understand the amount of work I'm putting in outside of the gym mm-hmm. on top of my gymnastics training. So it's, it's finding that thing that really, that spark, making it fun in terms of like, okay, I, I, you need an end goal. For me, you always need an end goal. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the end goal. I've got to go through this boring stuff to get to the good stuff. Um, and that's what keeps you going but you've got to love what you do so you guys love it so you get up every day even like you said I guess those times when you get bogged down and you feel like you're making no progress you kind of plateau mm. it gets boring you, s- you still get out of bed and you still go to the gym yeah. and do it you know? and maybe actually going back to a point you made before going well, actually maybe that's the time when you mix up a bit change yeah, a bit come away yeah, from yeah, a bit and do mm, something a bit yeah, else definitely. maybe do something that might it's going to have a benefit towards it yeah. and then you know, and come even back. taking like it sounds stupid in gymnastics it will be like magnified because I know before London 2012, the most days I'd had off in 10 years was four in a row. So it's even like, it's even, but those like days are like really important because we literally train every single day. Like yeah. we don't stop training. So for me, sometimes now at my age, because my body's not as young as it used to be, like I'm only 25, and I tell most people that and I say, oh, I'm not as young as I used to be. And they go, what are you talking about? You're 25, you're yeah. crazy young. I'm like, yeah, but I've been training 30 plus hours a week since I was nine years old. Yeah, that is yeah, a big like load. So for me, sometimes it's going now. So yeah. Uh, I'm gonna take Saturday and Sunday off this week, like mm. because I understand that I need that break. I think when you're older, you understand your body yeah, a bit better as yeah. well. Don't you? you treat it a lot better. Like yeah. I used to, I look back now when I was like 18, 19, 20, and you think you're invincible, and I just <laughs> abused my body. Like I wouldn't recover properly, and a lot of that was because we didn't have the we didn't have the knowledge, we didn't yeah. have the education. Like no one was teaching us. We didn't have a nutritionist. Like when I was like 14, 15, you break your leg, you're in a cast. You take the cast off and you just start going again, tumbling again. Like that doesn't. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. It seems mad. And um, so yeah, it's. it's so it's if you're gonna, so if it, just a bit of advice. You've done four rehabs in the last two years. Yeah. Basics for people training calisthenics. What What's the best sort of approach in terms of avoiding injury in the first place? So what What, yeah. what do you put in your program? Prevention better than cure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know that you yeah. guys are doing a lot of work on mobility and stuff. And if you yeah. think someone's maybe got hour an hour and a half in the gym they need to get some training done but what are the little things that they can do to stay on top of keeping themselves moving well and injury or robust or resilient to injury I think I think a big one for me that's been a change is like the 
taking your so the warm up is I've always took the warm up really seriously. Like in gymnastics, we, you've seen we warm up for a long time, right? So we might not be on the apparatus for over an hour. Mm. Um, and it's intense as well. Yeah, right? It's yeah, not yeah. it's not like just rolling around and floor <laughs> no, no, like stretches. Like, yeah, hard. you know, like down to T, you got to keep. Otherwise, yeah. you'd be stuck there for an hour and a half. You're not on the apparatus yet. Uh, but the the big one for me is like the recovery afterwards, like the stretching afterwards. I spend like a good twenty minutes foam roller and using a cricket ball having my coach stretch me after the session just that way I know that I'm going to be good again to go the next day um, so yeah, that's a really interesting almost, point yeah, splitting your training up you might say you might only have an hour and a half but it's not being it's being it's lazy if you only do an hour and a half and then you go straight away and leave yeah, the gym yeah, still yeah. warm not stretched off not cooled down like it sounds like the boring stuff but it, that's what's going to make the difference between your longevity for me now and the career I'm thinking I want to be able to do this as long as I can so I've really got to take care of my body. Like every day, it makes a big, a big impact. I think that that physiological perspective of, of you know that once you've done some work, the best practice is to try and bring the system back down mm. to equilibrium, like yeah. getting back down to a stable state. And I think I'm guilty of it. I'm in a rush, yeah. in and out session. Yeah. I'll yeah. always prep, yeah. but I, I rarely, if I'm honest, do my cool down. But if you think about it, we're doing like high tension movements. There's a lot of neural activity. Yeah. Central nervous system is getting lit up. Uh, muscular system getting lit up. Actually, the benefit of just spending five, ten minutes just actually lengthening everything back out after we've made it tight and short, been focusing on yeah. shorting it or eccentrically lengthening it, whatever we've been doing, actually just giving that time and, and you can get sort of as um, sort of more of a holistic approach if you want to, but just breathe it and just breathe yeah. it down, regulating the system yeah. a little bit before you leave the gym. I think that's definitely for me from this conversation to take them. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Oh, 100%. Right. Yeah, 100%. Or if you're going to go, 20. or even like just a shift in mindset, you go, I've got an hour and a half for training. Yeah. I'll actually go in, no, no, I've got an hour and 15 minutes for training. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to leave myself 15 minutes that's to what we're yeah, saying. Then goes 15 down. minutes prep, 15 yeah. minutes cool down. But that, what that means yeah. is in that yeah. one hour, you've got to like Make it put your phone away, be stop efficient on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, just actually. be really, <laughs> that's another one, just be really efficient with your time. Yeah. So whether if that's planning out your session before you go in, that makes a big difference for me. Mm. Like if I go into a week and I don't really know the plan, I'm just kind of, I'm not winging it, I know exactly yeah. what I've got to do in my head, but yeah. it's not written down. I'm just not as efficient as I am when I know what I've got to do that day. Okay, I've planned it out. Because I can turn up, to, I can wake up in the morning, do all my stuff, whatever it is, emails, that kind of stuff, then go to the gym and just train it's not going to be as efficient as me knowing exactly what I've got to do that day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's, so like with me, it might be talking to Sergey the night before when I finish the session, I shake his hand. We go, okay, tomorrow you've got this, this, this. Yeah, so yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. How do you stretch your sessions? Is it on reps or is it on time or is it on feel as to when? Like, cause often when we do like skill yeah. training, like handstand, I get to a point where like I've done enough of that because I'm getting worse. Yeah, yeah. So then I move on or yeah. do you sign and go, right, I've got 20 minutes. It's more on go. the program. It's more on the program. So if it's a routines, uh, session, it's not going to be on, the time like you want it to be I don't want it to be long I want my sessions to be short yeah. but I know I've got to get this done so however long that's going to take me I've got to get that done I've got to get that routine done it might take me 10 minutes it might take me half an hour I've got to get that routine done when I go to the next apparatus um, and then it, it does vary a lot a lot of the time it's on feel mm. um, it's different as well when we go away to GB training camps because you know when you're at home you're in your own environment you do routines on the days you want to do routines on but you've got to do it as a part of a team mm. And it's kind of dictated to you what days you do routines and stuff. So you've got to kind of juggle that around. But a lot of the time it's dictated on feeling um, and just what you've got to get done that day. I think there's a really interesting um, tipping point there because there's times where actually if I nail a skill that I'm trying to take a tiger bend or something, something where I can like handstand into, into forearm and then back out into handstand. Sometimes if I nail it, I should probably just finish there yeah. and, and leave myself on that high and the confidence. But then because I've done it, it's addictive. And now I want to see if I can do it again. That's my <laughs> yeah. problem. But then the second one yeah. is then actually not as good. And, I, and I've, now I'm a bit depressed. I should actually sometimes... Is that, is, is, is a bit that you guys use that's that? My pro yeah, that's my problem. That's one of my biggest problems. My biggest problem, if you speak to anyone like in the gymnastics community, this is probably like... I don't mind them saying this. It's probably how they describe it. They probably said, oh, unbelievable talent. But he just trains. He overworks. Right. He overtrains. That's why he gets injured all the time which is true, and it has been a big, big problem of mine, a real, real challenge of mine. Just physios that I work with, we've got mutual friends that, mm. uh, physios that I've worked with, like, they'll say the same thing. They'll say, Sam, come on, they're constantly just, just rest, just take a bit of time to rest, but it's so hard once you're, when you know where you want to go and you're so fixated on that, yeah. and you do, mm. you do one of these new skills for the first time, you're like, okay, I need to get, you get so locked onto the fact that, okay, I need to do two of these today, and I've got to do three of these tomorrow, because mm. then I'm going to get to the end goal quicker. 
it's always that quicker. I want to get there quicker, which is the problem for a lot of people, and that's where the injuries come and stuff. You're trying to get there quicker. You're trying to force time, whereas if you went a little bit slower, you'd get there in the end. You you might not get there like as quick, but once you got there, you're not going to get there with a torn rotator cuff. Yeah, I mean, so having compromised yeah, the system on the way. Yeah, because yeah. It, it doesn't work. Like from my experience, I can tell everyone that trying to cheat the system and by doing more and more and more and more, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a you're just going to spiral out of control on it. Yeah. And picking up on what you said about finishing on like a high, I remember reading. Um, and our coach used to bang on about, our R S and C coach used to bang on about him, Charlie Francis, who was um, sprint coach for um, Ben Johnson in the KO. He got them for drugs, but he ran 9, 7, 8 in that yeah, however long ago. Him, but he, he, well, his thing was like, if they PB, like in the gym, or if they PB, home time, done. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't keep flogging yeah. it. Once you've done yeah. that, like, PB, yeah. see you later. Well, that's what physios talk about. That. Actually, the risk of injury after a PB is way higher because you've just done something yeah. you've never done before. Yeah. Oh, brain yeah. is now, and the body's like flipping, and this is like. So, yesterday, yesterday we're on a high bar. Um, it's my lighter session yesterday. But I'm feeling like my shoulder, I've got a little bit of a shoulder issue at the minute. It's, like it's been sore for the last two weeks because it's just struggling with the load. I did a skill. Too many ring muscle ups. You know, I, yeah, I did. <laughs> probably was, mate. I did a, so I did a skill. Body power. Yeah. Damn you. Yeah. I swear. Those, you won't be those there anymore. muscle ups killed me. I'm never doing that again. Um, so again, we're not impressed. <laughs> oh, did he find out? He was away for the weekend. And I but he like, found out or did you tell like, him? Sam, where did this come from? I was like, oh, I'll be honest, sir. I tried to do as many muscle ups as I could. <laughs> And he was like, why, why you do like this? I'm going away for one weekend, you do a stupid thing like this. So he goes, you're a Russian coach. Yeah, he's my Russian coach. That's a good accent. Yeah, it's very um, good, I like. So yesterday, I, uh, yeah, I should have I should have left it. I should have left it to go before. I did one more go. And I felt my shoulder a little bit and I got really angry. Because you can't go why? back from that. One more yeah, rep and I've now done you're that. Like, I've done that. I've done that damage. But I've done that so many times. That's happened so many times when I've got injured. I'd be like, why did I do that? Why did I, I didn't yeah, need to yeah, do that last yeah. rip? And why didn't I learn from it? Yeah, when it did it's always it last that. But it's hard. It's a constant yeah. battle in your own head, yeah, yeah, particularly when like my problem stems back to when I was a kid. I was told that you're not the most talented kid. Like you work hard. Mm. So I always go to okay. The way I get better than everyone else is to work harder than outwork. everyone else. Yeah. So I would outwork everyone, which is fine. It's good. Like growth mindset. Yeah, but brilliant. like you say, but it's then it impermanent. can become a detriment. You know, when you get to a certain age, because your body just doesn't do. Mm. Your body doesn't recover as quick as it did when you were a kid. But I think work. But working hard could be working really hard at your recovery. Working really yeah, hard. Yeah. Hundred percent. And being be. smart. Being yeah. smart is the thing. The thing that a lot of the youngsters that have come up now and have avoided injuries or done. Wherever I've been, I was on a similar path to they were, and where I went in one direction and made the mistake, and they kind of went in the other direction and learned almost in some cases, I think, learned from my mistakes. Mm, yeah. They looked at me and went, Okay, I don't want to do what Sam did, yeah. I want to be yeah. smart about it. It's being smart with your training, yeah. so it's it's knowing when to not, I don't need to do that, I need to rest that. The yeah. rest thing for me, I was always that macho thing of, oh, rest is weak. Like, <laughs> I can outwork you. I can, Sleep when you're dead. Yeah, I can train. I can remember having a really, like, our national coach, who was our senior national, I can remember having a really heated conversation with him when I was coming back from my ankle injury, and this was, like, 2015, and he was saying, Sam, you just need to, like, rest a bit more. And I was like, no, I don't need to do that. I understand what you're saying. If your targets, if my targets were to just be on the team, yeah, I completely agree with you, but my targets just to be mm. like the Olympic champion. So if I want to do that, I'm going to have to work harder than everyone else. I look back now and I think, well, I wish I could sit down and have a chat with that guy and just <laughs> say, look, you can get there by being smart. You don't have to train harder. Yeah. Least yeah. amount of training to get the most amount of change. Yeah. Mm. Just being efficient. Being efficient. You know? Yeah, I think my final thought on that is just People will watch elite sport and they watch you guys do what you do. And it's very easy from a spectator's perspective to just be like, oh, okay, you're an elite athlete. But when you start to break down what it takes to be an Olympic gold medalist, like, yeah, you need the talent, you need the work ethic, you need the right support team, the right opportunities, all the mindset stuff which goes into it. But then what you don't, what a lot of people don't necessarily understand that any one of those positive things can actually be a stumbling block oh, as well. So like people would just, that would be something for some people like, would just be a bit of a, a new thing to hear that actually working too hard could be the thing that actually holds you back yeah. potentially and that happens yeah. for other athletes so you constantly having to understand where you need to optimise your training yeah. it's not easy it's a really no, complicated it's, it's, and, and, and all the stars have got to align for it to go right yeah. and the fact that you've got a peak 
in every four years. Yeah. And maybe yeah. just once in your whole career. On the right day. 20 years yeah. worth of, what, are you going to be doing three minutes worth of work? Mm. 20 years for free. If you, if you really sit back and think it will drive you crazy. And I can remember my training partner from 2009 to 2011, um, he went from being no one to within six months being our best guy. Now, what happens when that, when that a situation like that arises from being no one, always being like on the B team or C team, never really competing on the world stage? He came, moved to Loughborough University, trained with me and Sergey, and within six months, he was the best guy on the team. What happens then is you go, How the hell did I get here? Mm. And you become so scared of losing that. Yeah. You become so scared of like going back to being that guy that's the C guy on the team you just take everything to the extreme because you think, oh, I've got to do, keep doing that, I've got to keep doing that. Yeah. And he got to the point where like, he was weighing his food, he was, like, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and he wait. wouldn't listen, he was so yeah. transfixed. And he was convinced that what he was doing was the right thing to do. And he went from scoring, say, 90 points, which is in gymnastics, to being 10 points less, to scoring 80 points within two years, just from going from ninth, he was ninth in the world at one point, and then boom, not even on the team. That conversation with Kenny Jameson on one of the podcasts around conscious and unconscious like you got there because you were doing stuff unconscious yeah. flow state and then all of a sudden you realise you try and consciously do it and it breaks that whole yeah, thing you can't yeah. Yeah. yeah amazing yeah I've got um, my fine my sort of final question was oh there's something that's been bugging me in my head like 51 skills man that's a lot of, I'm, I'm assuming you're counting like uh, forward roll cartwheel as, as well no. yeah that, that's part of 51 <laughs> that's part of 51 <laughs> um, no um, I know we're talking off air that like foundation work is, is a really big part for you and um, what what sort of if we took something simple like so lever work or handstand work yeah. what foundation work that you still do even as an Olympic gymnast do you still do in like part of your warm-ups and whatnot? Yeah that people could at home that's just actually starting out yeah what thing because you do some real simple stuff yeah yeah sure like sort um, of week in week out what what sort of things could people do yeah so first of all the first thing that I always get people to do if ever I'm going to do bodyweight training when I started with my brother because we're doing a YouTube channel now and I'm basically teaching him gymnastics when I started with him anybody that's not from a gymnastics background or a gymnastics background is like a body tension circuit which is literally what I did with you guys where you're on the floor you've got to suck your back into the floor or when we were doing it on the bar doing the handstands just that circuit where you're lifting your upper body you're lifting your legs both together rocking on your front doing the same thing I've done that every single day for 18 years so you still, still do that do now. now and if I don't and do you got it, a video, can, we, we can put a link to that video um, yeah I'll be able to there's a video send us that. Yeah, yeah, we'll so put, I can, we'll say, put I can that. send you that circuit send, yeah, yeah. we'll put a link in but that's easy anyone can do that on their bedroom floor every single morning and that Perfect. will make a huge difference um, and that's for, for handstand it's really really important because in gymnastics, the most fundamental skill is a handstand. Yeah. There's a handstand in every single apparatus somewhere. Um, if you haven't got a good handstand and it's not, you know, stable and strong, then so many people struggle with that. Like going back to early days of my SNC career, working with with um, athletes on sort of performance pathways at the earlier stages, trying to get someone to do like, a, let's say, take a plank for example, and like get midsection tension, like get the abs tight, yeah, for want yeah. a better word, and then actually squeeze the glute at the same time. People can't do both <laughs> yeah, at the same time, and that's yeah. fundamental for you guys to be able to create that body tension. Yeah, yeah. And then when we're trying to hold static shapes, connecting that kinetic chain together, creating tension and holding it is an absolute pivotal part yeah, of success or failure. Otherwise, yeah. you can't transfer force through the system. And so. I'd say the big one for me, and then the other big one for me is just uh, that those stabilizer muscles at the back, man. They get neglected in my sport. I neglected them for ten years. That's left me with awful shoulder posture. You can see I'm sitting now. <laughs> I'm sitting now. I didn't want to say become, anything. That's become a real big problem for me. You know, I've had so many issues with it. So just having, just being it, thinking, okay, I don't need to bench press and do press ups every yeah. day. Just work on those basic exercises. Just setting just your shoulders traction. back. Yeah. Just using elastics just to get that. Because they're just as important as the yeah. muscles at the mm-hmm. back. And if you're trying to do a lot of handstands, uh, press ups, muscle ups, uh, planches, like the shoulders are so so important. They're yeah. fundamental. So There's what gonna just s- taking that time to do that, it makes a big yeah. big difference. Yeah, definitely. Hey, awesome. That's been awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, just tell people where they can find you and, and what what content you've got available for them. Whether should whether should look you up. Sure. So you can follow me on Instagram. It is Oldham ninety three. You can follow me on YouTube. It's Sam Oldham. Uh, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I'm doing the 50-50 challenge on Instagram right now, so we're winning some cool giveaways. Thanks to you guys for those for the we last got five some, days. Yeah. We, have, we haven't won any yet. You won one of our e-books, I think. <laughs> yeah. right. If you but see no, some of the skills, you'd be like, yeah, Tim and Jack, I can't do that. No, that's been awesome, man. They've gone down really well. Um, and I've got some new followers, so thanks for that. Oh, um, awesome. But yeah, YouTube, I've just relaunched my YouTube channel. 
Um, it's different. It's not kind of. It's aimed at my generation, the younger generation. I'd probably say like early, uh, late teens, early twenties. People that are interested in getting into body weight that haven't been done it before, and then the people that are interested in just what I get up to outside of the gym mm. and what it's like to be an elite athlete, but just very raw footage. So yeah, there's a video on Sam's uh, YouTube channel of him teaching me the Iron Cross. <laughs> yeah, which is still yeah, to progress yeah. further. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Keep your post on that one. Yeah, we'll yeah. put we'll put the links we'll put in the, links the show in. notes yeah, so yeah, people can right. find those. But um, yeah, hope. Um, well, thank you for coming on to the Scorecards Next podcast and Playground Sessions, and I uh, hope that's been useful, and helpful for um, all of you listening, and you've got some of those things that you can take away and actually implement into your training so that you can get better at redefining your impossible. Yeah, I think there's some really cool stuff in there about actually some of the stuff that you're feeling. Is the same as what yeah, Olympic yeah, gymnast yeah. does. Relatable. Train every day is, is doing the same thing. So you're not alone. Uh, so take some heart in that. Now we've done some work with Sam before, so he knows how to wrap it up. Yeah, of course. So until next week, class dismissed. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's playground session from the School of Calisthenics. Uh, I certainly did, Tim. I thought that was an absolute crackerjack. Um, so if you also did or even if you didn't like it but you just like us we'd massively appreciate and you like the podcast we'd massively appreciate um, a five star rating on uh, iTunes or whatever platform that you listen to the podcast on Um, it makes us feel good about ourselves but it also helps um, promote the podcast and make more people aware of it so they can enjoy it too so all the best this week with your training guys get out there and redefine your impossible we'll catch up soon until next week Class dismissed.